Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Okay, good evening, ladies and gents. Tonight is uh, the day before... Memorial Day. It is May 27th, 2018. Uh, we got started a little bit late. It is uh, now uh, 7-11. Uh, and we are uh, going to be talking about persuasion tonight. So before I go into the persuasion thing, I just want to recap uh, the other modules that happen in, in the order in which we have already gone through them. So uh, we first started out with learning, as in learning how to learn, as in developing the mindset to be constantly learning, because every time you have a conversation that's dysfunctional, the, uh, you can count on uh, another conversation being equally dysfunctional in a completely unthinkable way. <laughs> it's like, now that you solve that problem, you know, just expect the next one to come around. So learn what you can learn so you can actually simplify your own languaging and be better at being able to communicate in ways that naturally enhance relationships and naturally, uh, and, and it's impossible to misunderstand and things like that. So learning is the first thing. And the second thing is being accountable, like the joy of accountability, like actually enjoying being responsible for the quality of the relation of the conversations that's happening around you, the quality of the communication around you, because you're the source of it. Now people start taking on your habits and, and stuff and life, life works in ways that make everyone happy and you're the cause of it and it's a joy you know it's the same joy as buying a new house putting the furniture in having to be your favorite place nobody told you responsible you held yourself responsible you held yourself accountable because like you love the choice the opportunity to be that way and, and looking at accountability as an opportunity then uh we took on uh, module three which is about listening so when we came to listening, we was thinking about how to use our brain to be as photographic, use a photographic memory or be in photographic memory mode as much as possible. I call it movie, movie listening, um, being able to switch gears and be responsible in your listening um, where you can uh, manage the conversations in, in your head along with the conversations happening outside there because we can hear about uh, 450 words a minute, but most of, well, people, unless they're an auctioneer, can only talk no more than 250, usually between 200 and 250 words a minute. So in between words, we have these thoughts happen in our head, and then we get distracted by the thoughts in our head until we stop, and then we come back to the conversation like, hey, what did you just say? <laughs> or worse yet, act like we was listening, and then we, we didn't get the message, right? So whatever. So that's listening. And there's more to it, obviously, but just to give you a reminder. And then uh, the fourth module was distinctions. So here's where we talked about um, mental modeling, about monkey mind, about the, uh, the different uh, uh, aspirations, the six highest aspirations people have for their life that dictates their actions and the words that come out of their mouth. Also, I talked about the types of visions so you can look at different points of view and communicate with people about those points of view. 
which, by the way, when you learn how to use those different points of view, that's a part of your persuasion process, even though I'm not bringing it, you know, to this particular module today. So there's that. Then um, module five was about emotions, how to manage emotions in conversations, how to manage your own emotions in conversations, and basically recognize the type of uh, emotions that's going on in a conversation so you know where people are at. Then uh, the, uh, uh, the sixth module was effective interactions, which is what am I thinking? What am I talking? You know, why am I talking? And other things, bringing people up to uh, – no, uh, oh, that's, that's just – I'm just going to stick there with that. Uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> um, the uh, effective interactions model was about uh, – modules about being effective the first time. So, you know, there's a few things in there. All of a sudden, I can't remember, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it because I've already written it down. You guys got it on the recording and the email and all of that. Then a session from last week, which was about educating, was how to bring people up to your speed or bring yourself up to speed because sometimes, you know, you can be effective at communication, but if you're not on the same page because of an information gap or an attention gap, then, you know, you're never going to be on the same page. And we also talked about context, which is, um, not just the meaning that you have for what you're saying, but the way words and conversations are in your head. And half of the things you're trying to say is visual. And so trying to visual speak using words to communicate something that's a picture in your head is a little tough. You know, you, you really got to practice that. Because half the time when that happens, you got to say something uh, <laughs> two or three times before you say it right, you know. So that's what we've already gone through. And so I want you to bring those distinctions as much as you possibly can to this conversation called persuasion. Because when I talk about persuasion, you're going to be listening for and, and, uh, and speaking with, through, and as those modules that we talked about before. You're bringing those modules to persuasion. So when I talk to you about persuasion, you'll see different ways you can apply those distinctions to persuasion. Does that, even though I said a whole bunch of stuff, does that communicate to everybody that's listening? Or is there anybody that didn't get what I was saying just now? Okay. I'm not calling no names, so I'm going to tell a story. And I wasn't planning on telling the story, but it's one of the uh, most embarrassing things that ever uh, happened to me. And uh, <laughs> did I tell you guys the story about when I was uh, in junior high school and I had to wear some goofy pants to school? Uh, no. Okay, good. So uh, seventh grade, in between sixth and seventh grade, um, you know, mom would buy summer, you know, uh, some winter, you know, school clothes in the summer. So one of the things she did was she bought me these uh, fake leather pants. They looked really, really fake. They were brown. They had wrinkles in them. They was really more like rust color than brown leather. And I'm looking at these pants, and I'm like, I already wear big, thick glasses like Urkel. My, you can, my, my lenses are so thick you could barely see my eyes, and now you want me to wear these pants too? Oh, no, I cannot wear these pants. So I'm thinking, how do I um, wear uh, these pants? I mean, how do I keep myself from wearing these pants? I can't not wear these pants at school. I can't do this. I'm going to be in trouble. So I decided, oh, I, yeah, there's this game, a street game called Ring Olivio. And, uh, we, you know, I would play Ring Olivio, and I was 
uh, one of the more active players, and I almost always put holes in my pants. I said, you know what? I'm going to wear these these fake leather pleather pants out here in the street, and uh, I'm going to put holes in them, and then mommy ain't going to be able to sew them, and that's that, right? So I went out, played Ring Olivio, put holes in both knees, and I came home. I said, Mom, I'm sorry. I put holes in these pants. And she's like, man, you're wearing these pants. It's cool. So she ended up sewing the holes uh, uh, in the knees by uh, lifting up the pants so that it's so they, like she put a hem around the knee, but she had to lift up the pants. And now I not only got this these fake leather pants that got this this stitching around the knees, like circled around my knees, but now they're also high water pants on top of it. And I'm supposed to go to school, so the first day of school I wore these pants, and I'm walking and I'm trying not to be invisible. I'm trying to be invisible, and the head of the Black Spades street gang in New York, which was the biggest gang in New York at the time. He's in my junior high school, and he's got him and his boys laughing at me. I'm trying to disappear. That was super embarrassing. So if anything you're going to say is going to be more embarrassing than that, then please be quiet. Otherwise, come on, share. Drop it on me. All right, (laughs) y'all. Did I tell that story before? I don't remember. Hello? That's embarrassing. No. No, we didn't hear that one before. (laughs) You didn't? Okay, good. By the way, the guy who was the head of the Black Spades at the time, he's the guy that taught me that there's a difference between people that act tough and who actually really are tough. And uh, he was tough. He was the first guy I saw. I'm like, no, he really is tough. No, he's really tough. He's the head of the Black Spades. But in addition, he won eventually in the 1980 Olympics – he won a gold medal for a light heavyweight boxing championship. And he was one of the few people that actually he became a heavyweight and he fought Mike Tyson. And even though Mike Tyson beat him with a decision, he never knocked Mike, Mike Tyson never knocked him down. His name was Mitch Blood Green. And if you ever heard that story about um, when Mike Tyson got into a fight in a store, broke his hand and had to cancel his fight or postpone his fight down in a few months, that's the guy he was fighting. And that's the guy that was laughing at me when I had these damn pants on. And thank God my mother only made me wear them once. <laughs> Who boy, was I embarrassed. So if y'all are more embarrassed than that, then, yeah, don't say nothing. But otherwise, come on now. So. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so I'm going to go into with persuasion. So the definition, my definition, and then I'm going to give you this, the um the uh, dictionary definition. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it the other way around. So that uh, this um, persuasion is a verb, and it says used with objects. All right, whatever. Persuaded, persuading. So number one, to prevail on a person to do something, as by advising or urging. We could not persuade him to wait, or we could. Uh, number two, to induce, to believe, by appealing to reason or understanding, convince. To persuade the judge of the prisoner's innocence. So my definition is the art and science of getting people to do what you want them to do. That's what I call persuasion. <laughs> I love it. Getting people to do what you want them to do is a serious and permanent challenge because people 
only want to do what they want to do, not what you want them to do. The most effective way to get people to do what you want them to do is to give them compelling reasons to do what you want them to do. The better you are at creating or finding great reasons for people to do what you want them to do, the more you'll be able to get people to do what you want them to do. How's that sound so far? <laughs> Getting people to do what you want them to do. I know there's some parents on here. They're like, I want my kids to go to school when I say, eat when I say, take a shower when I say, and get out of my way when I say. Any, you got any parents that's be thinking that? Maybe in central Minnesota or something. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Honestly, my kids are great about going to school, and they're really highly involved in activities and everything. But getting them to do chores after everything else that they've done, that would be great. <laughs> that's the thing. I can't get them to do clean up a thing. <laughs> my mom used to make me go to the store after she came home. My job was to, to, to go to the store and take out the garbage. We lived on a fifth floor walk up, and I only came home after I was finished tired of playing basketball or street games. I was too tired. I was ready to go to sleep. Tony, go to the store, take out the garbage. So I had to take out the garbage. I said, How come, how come Peachy won't you can't make Peachy go take out the garbage, my sister? You know, because my sister really was scared to be out in the dark, you know. And uh, I mean, I could see it, but I didn't care. I didn't want to go downstairs. And then my mother, <laughs> she used to send me to the store around the corner, about a block and a half. It's the same store she used to go. She had to walk past in order to go home. I'm like, why did you just go to the store when you got home? <sighs> For years, Tony, go to the store and take out the garbage. That's my job. Make your bed. <laughs> I resisted that too. I totally got it. To this day, I still don't want to be told what to do. I'm willing to play, but man, I don't really want to be told what to do. So I get it. But if you persuaded me, I might want to do that. You know? So there are many other ways um, of getting people to do what you want them to do, but none of them involve persuasion. However, each is effective in their own right. Some of those ways are the following. Force, which includes threats, pressure, violence, blackmail, manipulation. In addition, there are scams, lying, con games, guilt, exile, sex, uh, excuse me, I mean uh, removing sex, uh, rewards, bribes. This list isn't endless, but this isn't the end of it either. In fact, that list and the impact that list has had on people throughout the centuries is the reason persuasion isn't looked upon favorably or taken seriously by most of humanity. However, for those who understand its power, they take it extremely seriously because they know getting people to do what they want them to do and that they're happy that they did is the doorway to having anything you want in life and at the same time create or maintain great relationships over time. So I didn't say this until just now that getting people to do what they want them to do and that they actually like and are happy that they do it, that's real persuasion. Getting them to do what, they want, what you want them to do and they're not all particularly caring or liking or happy about it, that's, well, I mean, you know, it could be persuasive, but it ain't real persuasion. You know? So. What I'm going to tell you is that uh, the persuade, there's a persuasion process. There's a process that you will go through in order to um, get people to do what you want them to do to be persuasive. 
So persuasion is the middle aspect of a three-step process. Persuasion is situated between enrollment and registration. In other words, persuasion follows enrollment and both proceeds and facilitates registration, saying yes. Um, enrollment is like inspiration. Oh, wow, that's a great idea. Ooh, imagine that. But it still ain't mean that you're going to do something about it. Well, somebody else is going to do something about it. So then you enroll them or you persuade them or you inspire them or you somehow get them to see, wow, not only would that be great, I should do that. I really should do that. It looks like it's in my best interest. And so then once they feel that way, then they're ready to take action. So here is the uh, – so it looks like this, enrollment, persuasion, and then registration. I'm not crazy about the words enrollment and registration. There's a couple of folks that uh, come from the same uh, – uh, personal development company that I do that uses that term, so I'm not. I don't know a better term to use, but uh, that 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 is what's really the deal: um, enrollment and registration. But now, just as there are levels of commitment and levels of mastery, which I don't know if I actually mentioned in here. Um, yeah, I did. Levels of commitment, levels of mastery, levels of other things. There are levels of persuasion, or ma- more aptly stated the quality levels of persuasion. So there are three. There is clumsy persuasion, quality persuasion, and seamless persuasion. Let me explain them. Clumsy persuaders aren't actually very persuasive at all. They cannot really see any other person's perspective want what they want, and are usually reactive, impatient, and unimaginative, at least in this area. After one or two attempts at being persuasive, they get forceful and impatient, or they just quit. What they don't do is review what just happened and learn from their mistakes. However, for those who eventually figure this out, they move up to the next level, quality persuasion. Quality persuaders, excuse me, quality persuaders know how to answer questions, overcome objections to doing what they want people to do, and are very creative, even empowering when it comes to being persuasive. They learn from their mistakes and generally get what they want. They may or may not occasionally use force or other low-level forms of getting people to do what they want people to do, but they have to work hard every day to be persuasive, and their journey never ends. They're persuasive, but not so persuasive that people just want to do whatever they want to do like that. However, for those who want a higher quality of life in the area of persuasion and relationships, there's a higher level to operate from, seamless persuasion. Seamless persuasion is comprised of three things, love, care, and commitment. Love because you love what you're doing and want others to share in what it is you love. Like you saw a great movie that you love and learned something from it, so you want others to see it and get what you got from it as well. Care, because you care enough about others that you would work hard to see to it that they get what they want out of doing what you want them to do. For example, Coaching a client to give up something or take take something on 
may take more than coaching. It may take persuasion. Commitment, because you're sold on what you're trying to get someone else to do. For example, you're sold on a particular song or vacation destination, and you're committed. Others experience the same joy you enjoy. The more you're able to put yourself in other people's shoes and remember why you want them to do what you want them to do, the more creative you'll be at finding reasons for others to want to do what you want them to do. The more you use powers for good rather than evil, the more you'll improve your relationships and the easier it'll be to get people to continue doing what you want them to do. Okay, I just said a whole lot. Um, I want to get some feedback. This is Esther. So, yeah, I want to be a seamless persuader. And um, and so I'm, I'm ready to hear all about it. Oh, watch out. You sound persuaded. Whoa. <laughs> All right, anybody else? I'm definitely up to learn more about seamless persuasion as well. Okay. Does this uh does this state this stuff trigger into uh like when you're thinking about this and you're like, oh my god. Anybody, you know, does this pull up any suffering for anybody while they're listening to this or struggle or remind you of stuff you don't want to be reminded of? Any negative feelings about this positive thing that you just heard? Um, well, this is Lena, and I guess I, since I've done the team management leadership program and, like, there, I, I definitely have, there are people in my life where, like, I still a brick wall with communicating with them and so if if there's a way to make that brick wall not be there that would be great totally got it oh my god I totally got it (laughs) so um, I'm going to bring up uh, four different uh, distinctions uh, between now and the end of the, this uh, session. But they all work inside of what I just shared to you. So they all work inside of either being clumsy, quality, or seamless. And when I say quality, I, don't, I hope you heard that really what I was saying is like being a good salesperson as opposed to someone who inspires people to want to do stuff. So like... Uh, you could be a really great salesperson, or you could be like Martin Luther King and Malcolm uh, and, and Mark, uh, Mark uh, what do you call it, Mahatma Gandhi. They were seamless persuaders because they were so inspiring. People wanted to do what they wanted them to do, even if they didn't really want to do it. I mean, how seamless would Martin Luther King really be to actually have Lyndon Johnson create and then get past? the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act in like in the 1960s. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's more than salesmanship. You know, that's like heart-to-heart conversation. So, 
you know, I share this with you so that you can get present to the heart-to-heart of persuasion. And then when you have the techniques, the techniques don't distract you from the fundamental platform, the, the foundation of persuasion, which is heart-to-heart. Does that communicate? Yeah, okay, it does. <laughs> All right, you're only talking to me today. I don't know what's up with that, but whatever. All right, so now, the first technique you want to use to enhance your um, access to uh, being seamless persuasion is to make it easy for people to say yes and hard to say no at the same time. So let me explain. This is a straight-to-the-point practice. You're listening for what's going to both take away their greatest fears, worries, and concerns, and at the same time, connect them to their greatest desires such that they can't walk away from it. What do people want? They want to fulfill their highest aspirations for their life. They want prestige, prosperity, and success. What do they most not want? Pain, alienation, failure, looking bad, doing without, and anything else that will keep them from their highest aspirations for their life. So what I'm saying is how important it is to remember wanting to be entrepreneurs, wanting to make a difference, wanting to be parents, wanting to be adventurous, wanting to be spiritual, wanting to be content. Leave me alone so I can just sit home and chill out. I'm going to be content. Leave me alone, right? Listening for that is going to help you be persuasive because you're going to be able to pay attention to what will make it easy for them to say yes and hard to say no to you because you'll be pointing them in a direction of their highest aspirations, and you'll be taking away whatever's in the way of them not getting their highest aspirations. Okay. Um, so that means you need to make offers that address both what they most want and don't want at the same time. In order to make this happen, you first need to put yourself in their shoes. Most of the time, we're only thinking about what we want So our offers are focused around what we're willing to sacrifice and do for them rather than how we can make their life better. Instead, you need to take all their no's away, what can go wrong, what they can lose, and what can take away their deepest fears. So one of the things I recently learned a couple of months ago, this is a marketer, his name is Seth Godin, awesome guy. And he's got this daily uh, email he sends out with some awesome information. I mean, it's like two paragraphs long, and you're like, damn, bro. So one of them was how challenging it is. Oh, no, it was a, it was a TED Talk. But anyhow, what it was, it was, a, it, was ch- it was a challenge about how hard it is to sell and run a business sometimes because we, as a, as a society, we have a hard time buying stuff because there's so many things that's being offered that nobody's ever bought before. So in this day and age, people don't have much of a problem buying a car or a house or, you know, clothing because our parents, parents, parents was buying those things. So we've learned from watching it as kids how to do that. But in today's age, there's so many things that we've never bought before or we don't know anybody else has bought it, so we can't tell if it's good enough or not that just the fact that we're not clear is a good enough reason to not buy. Does that make sense? Anybody have that experience? 
Yep. I'm thinking yes. of, about um, Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Right? So this is new stuff. So taking away the no is critical because if people don't know what they don't know, that's a good enough reason for them to say no. Another thing about making it easy for people to say yes and hard to say no is this. You can make an offer that's easy for somebody to say yes to. Hey, would you go out with me on a date? It's easy to say yes. It's also hard to say, it's also easy to say no. It's easy to say yes, easy to say no. Now, if you say, listen, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just crazy. It's not true, but it's, you know, most of Take, just, just let me just say it, right? I'm trying to say how to not sound, make me sound like a jerk by saying it, but let me just say it anyhow. So if you if you if you go out on a date with me, not only will I pay your rent, but you know I'll drive you around for the next week if you want. And that's hard to say no to. <laughs> you know, I'm saying he might still be creepy and all of that stuff, but don't pay my rent. It's hard for me to at least not go on a date with him once. It's going to be hard to say yes, maybe, but 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 definitely. Hard to say no, unless he's so creepy you just can't have it. You know, and I know it's an extreme example. Um, it's probably not even a good example, but I hope you get the point, which is, you know, you, you, you offer something that's easy to say yes that they can like, but you also make it hard for them to resist on the back end. And I know that that happens in crime, you know, criminal opportunities where, you know, they say, hey, listen, I know this is a crime, but if you do this, you know, you might not get in trouble, or you probably won't get in trouble, but how much money you'll make, and that's what will make somebody will say yes. Now, that I'm not saying we should do that, but I know that happens every day of the year, probably happening now in every country on this planet. So the thing is to be able to – and that was a horrible example. So forgive me, y'all. I think you get the point, though. I'm making myself wrong. All right, stop. All right, good. I'm back. <laughs> um I feel like I'm driving myself crazy with y'all today. All right, but seriously, though, you want to make offers where it's easy for them to say yes, hard to say no. So let me keep going. Uh, when you make offers, you need to make offers that address both what they most want and don't want at the same time. And in, the more, in order to make this happen, you first need to put yourself in their shoes. Uh, I think I said this already, but let me just read it anyhow. Most of the time, we're only thinking about what we want, so our offers are focused around. Yes, I said that already. Next, you also need to give them everything they know they want. Success, happiness, abundance, and winning. They want to walk away feeling like they improved their legacy, reputation, ability to get things done, and take workloads off their plate. They want to look good, get promoted, make more money, and most of all, move closer to fulfilling their highest aspirations. So with that in mind, here's what you need to do and think from. Find out what they're a no to and take it away. Find out what they're a yes to and amplify it. Find out what's more important to them and give it to them. And then find out what's their biggest pain and take it away. So they might sound similar, but there's some differences here. So first, find out what they're a no to and take it away. Do research on what their biggest problems are or you'll never get them to agree to do anything with you no matter how much you're offering. No one's going to say yes to do, to you if you offer them a billion dollars when they know they're also going to be alone and lose everything as soon as they get it. Great offers don't often compensate for huge losses. 
In addition, they want to protect themselves from anything that can go wrong as a result of agreeing, agreeing with your offer when they don't know the offer, excuse me, when they don't know the effect of saying yes will have on them and their interests, making more sales and spending more time away from family, bringing in a new trainer but destroying the company culture or going on a date with someone you have no real interest in just because they'll give you a free meal. <laughs> All of these things are in the back of people's minds, depending on the subject of the conversation you're having with them. In addition to doing research on them, which you need to do, you also have to research their industry company uh, using a process called a SWOT analysis and other areas of focus and how bad can things go if the worst that happens, the worst that can happen actually happens. By the way, let me, let me tell you folks who may not know what a SWOT analysis is. SWOT is spelled S-W-O-T. It's an acronym for uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Businesses use it. This may not be the most powerful tool in, in, in the business shed, but it is a tool that really makes a difference. It's just, it's just a part of it. But still, you want to know what's the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats of your offers to people. You don't necessarily have to think of it that way, but the fact that you know you can look for those things will help you actually figure out how to present your offers to people in ways that work. So, for example, um, myself as a consultant, when I go to, before I offer, you know, my services and, 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 and tell them what my fees are, I want to know what they want to produce. I want to know what they think is going, how it's going to improve their company. What's the return on investment? Who's going to win biggest by having this happen? Um, how they want it, this the process to go through, meaning how they want to be interacting with me as I'm going through it. And, um, you know, uh, are they the one that's going to be able to make this decision? I also want them to know that I understand them, that they know that I understand them, that they understand me, and that they know that I know that they understand me. So there's like a whole bunch of different places that I could, you know, I, I can research somebody in order to make an offer to them that's going to be really, really hard for them to say yes and really, really, really easy for them, uh, excuse me, hard for them to say no, really easy to say yes. So, you know, if you're dealing with dates or you're dealing with children or you're dealing with work, you know, or you're dealing with family at the holidays, you know, thinking about what I'm saying here will hopefully make conversations go for you simpler, especially if you're using it inside of the context of taking care of people, like willing and desirous to persuade people as service for taking care of them because persuading them to get them to do what you want them to do when it's in their best interest, then you're taking care of them. And so whether you use techniques or not, it's going to make what you're doing better. And then by understanding this here process called, you know, making it easy for them to say yes and hard to say no, and you're doing it in their best interest, you'll just get more and more creative as you keep practicing and thinking about this. So, um, yeah, you got to do the work for them on your office because they've probably never had to deal with 
what you're offering, like I talked about with Seth Godin. And because of that, they can't tell what can go wrong, and they're not going to take that risk. That would be irresponsible if they don't know what the heck the problem is, right? So when you're done, when you've done your research, show them how all their concerns have been addressed, or even better, turning it into a benefit. So remember this when you're dealing with both children and adults posing as adults what are really children. <laughs> Anybody got any people like that in their life? Hey, I'm an adult. Yeah, I know you look like an adult. Oh, yeah. You're really like a little kid, right? <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, <laughs> so my daughters taught me how to be persuasive. Matter of fact, they taught me how to be persuasive so much that when I finally uh, went into the car business after I separated from, the, from my first wife, their mother, um, I actually got to be pretty good at sales. I was in the car business for like five years, so uh, I must have been doing something right, right? So uh, my oldest daughter, she would resist, 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 resist. I'd be like, Nicole. She'd be like, huh? Nicole, huh? Come here, huh? <laughs> She'd be acting like she's stupid, right? And she knows she's don't want to listen, right? So um, one day, one day too many, she didn't want to go to sleep. You know, and I'm like, it's 9 o'clock. You're always supposed to be going to sleep at 9 o'clock. Why do you argue every night about 9 o'clock? So then I had this, I made an agreement. She started teaching me. She taught me that with her agreements work, right? So what I said to her was, here's the deal. We got to make an agreement. And, um, and, and here's your options. You could go in the room, talk with your sister, stay awake, and then I hear you, and then I walk in here, I whip your butt, then you cry, lay down, stay still, and eventually fall asleep. Or you can come in the room, lay down, be quiet, lay still, and eventually fall asleep. Either way, you get to tell me how this goes. But that's the agreement. You agree to that? Uh, okay. <laughs> And so once I made that agreement, I, I never heard her talking uh, in her bedroom while while she was supposed to be going to sleep. <laughs> I was just laughing because I made it easy for her to say yes and hard to say no. And yes, was there a little bit of pressure in there? Kind of. But as long as she honored her agreement, I would honor mine, which is I would leave her alone or I would butt whip her butt. But either way, you damn going to sleep. You know what I mean? Anybody ever make any agreements like that with their kids before? Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me the agreement. <laughs> I remember when this is Vita. I remember when my friend he was really not old enough to understand, but um, he was well, he might have been. He was he's been smart a long time, and I don't know <laughs> if he was two, three, but he had decided that he wasn't going to eat vegetables, and um, he told me he wasn't. And so um, he he was he he would normally be really good about eating his food, but one day he decided he was going to plan his food, and I kept trying to give him a chance to eat it. And so I finally told him because um, he I knew he had good understanding. I knew he'd understand what I told him. I said, "Mommy is going to set the timer on the microwave. When the timer goes off." If you are not done eating that food, mama's going to whip you behind, and you're still going to have to eat the food. 
<laughs> and my husband at the time was like, that's not fair. I'm like, yes, it is fair. You don't allow him to take the consequence. Well, I got the whipping, but I'm still not going to have to eat the food. Yes, you are. You're going to get them both. And so he sat and he ate it. <laughs> it was done long before the timer went off, and then we didn't have to have a conversation about vegetables anymore. So, you know, and he was little, but, you know, he learned right then. Mm. Love it. <laughs> That's hilarious. <sighs> okay, so first thing is, you know, summarize it again, is to find out what they're a no to and take that no away. So the next thing is to find out what's most important to them and give it to them. Everyone has a dream scenario on just about everything, a dream home, a dream relationship, dream income amount or dream business they want to own and run. Maybe it's to be a successful politician, God bless him, or own lots of buildings as a real estate mogul, whatever. The important point is to know what that is for whoever, whoever you're speaking with. You'll be able to get their attention, then get their approval on your offer, excuse me, of your offer. If you do something like that, they'll find it hard to say no. It's easier to get people to say yes than to take away their nose because us human beings are prone to negativity as a result of our natural tendency to want to protect ourselves. It's built into our DNA to want to survive in spite of living in a world of danger because we don't know where the danger is or what it looks like until we come across it. We're also much too connected to negativity by virtue of the smear tactics of the media sales pitches, marketing messages, and other formats of negative communication because we all know Santa Claus doesn't come down chimneys anymore. Buying lotto tickets doesn't uh, turn you into a millionaire. And too many of us have had our hearts broken from someone that we were interested in. So when you come to someone with an offer intended to make them want to say yes, it better be something they can see the benefits of. They need to be clear of what you're offering, and it better be problem-free or they ain't going to say yes, even if your heart is like, but I really want you to do it, and it's really in your best benefit, and I'm not even going to benefit from you doing it. They're going to be like, huh, what you doing? Uh, thank you, no thanks. Um, they're not inspired. They're too connected to the negativity. Like, they don't know if you're going to be a troll or not. Does this, like, Communicate, y'all. Check it, Leon. What you thinking, man? You're on mute. Well, you're yeah, trying to persuade. Communicate. Okay. Good. Leon, you're yes, on mute. Are you trying to persuade somebody? Is that, <laughs> that again? I'm, tr I'm trying to persuade you with my silence. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Just no. <laughs> communicate. And, you know, like, one thing I want to say about the whole chore thing is when I was growing up, there was no choice. It was like uh, I, my parents got it so well trained. You ever hear that experiments where they have, like, like uh, four monkeys and they have in a box and they put a ladder and then one monkey will go up to, to the, up the ladder and then when he goes up there, he'll get hit. Then yes. the second monkey would go up, and then the third and four. So once after all four monkeys got used to the 
idea that, you know, they were going to get hit if they go up yeah. there. They stop yeah. going up there, right? And then, right. And, they, and then they introduced a, 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 a new monkey in there, and then that new monkey tried to go up, the, tried to go up that ladder, and one of the monkeys just hit him. It's like, don't right. do it. You're just going to get hit. So we right. were so ingrained that we had to do our chores. It was never a question. It was never like yeah. a debate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, oh, you don't want to do chores? Did you want to eat? Did you want to do this? It was never like a, a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the way something so talk about, like a lot of my friends are like, are like that. They're like, oh, my kids don't want to do this, don't want to do that. And I'm looking at them like, did you give them a choice? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that way when I grew up. You know, uh, they, ain't, they ain't have a choice of need. That's why mom's like, Tony, go to the store, take out the garbage. Dag, ma. That's how. That's the conversation right there. That was the whole conversation. Dag, ma. Yeah. Then she give me the money and the list. <laughs> it's the garbage. <laughs> right, right. right. But I totally what? want to master, you know, the type of persuasion that isn't, you know, like forced or, or right. someone, someone will just want to do it you know yes so yeah yeah so that is something so, you know, i would want to sir so check so check out you just reminded me of something with your share right so i used to sell furniture in north carolina between 2001 and 2004. while i was down there i remember you know they would train us give us training about uh you know the different furniture that's coming in or there's something about something every morning before we get started and it was great motivation i did not realize it was great motivation until i stopped going to work in there but um, <laughs> so this one day, this couple came in. These two couples came in. There's a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend that was, you know, engaged, you know, proposed, ready to get married. Uh, they came in to buy some furniture. And then I think it was mom and dad. Her mom and dad was there, right? So she was, you know, I was the, first, the next person up to meet whoever walked in the door. She started talking. And, and then, um, uh, you know, she started telling me what kind of furniture she was. She went this luxurious you know, cushy feeling sofa with lots of pillows, and she'd sit into it, she'd sink into it, she'd be so happy. Oh my God, right? So I was like, oh, I know exactly what to do. So I took her to the most cushiest, luxurious one. And she sat down, and she was looking at this, and it was like amazing. I could see in her face she really liked it. And then she said, this is nice. What other choices, what other uh, uh, sofas you got? And I'm thinking, but this is the best one I got. Anything else is not going to, you're not going to like the logo. Oh, damn. And then she ended up not buying it. And what that told me was, <laughs> you know, if you're going to make offers to somebody, multiple offers, save the best offer for the third one. <laughs> the first one. Because people are going to be like, well, if this is great, what else you got? You know what I mean? So, like, I had to learn persuasion because I had to learn persuasion. <laughs> that was the and that was the last time that crap ever happened to me. I was annoyed. But she should have bought that damn sofa. <sighs> so as you're doing this stuff and you're looking to um, either take away what's in the way or give them what they want exactly what they want the way they want it, you also got to present it in a way that makes them feel like they're getting what they want. And but you got to actually know how to do that and what that looks like. And it might take some mistakes before you get get there. But you definitely want to do that. So, um, so the next thing uh, we're going to talk about is uh, the third piece of this, which is find out what they're a yes to and amplify it. 
So, um, so what that looks like is this. You need to master the art of the outrageous offer. Offer people three to five benefits on top of the thing you're offering and make sure they love those things. One way to learn how to do this is to watch marketing messages from businesses and notice how hard they work to make you want to do business with them. The phone companies, airlines, and flower companies are, placed, are places to do the kind of research you'll need to do to figure out your style of amplifying what they say yes to, what people say yes to. See, you know, you're going to do it differently than the way I'm going to do it, different than the way Leon's going to do it, different than the way that Tiffany's going to do it. So you want to look at your style of communication, your style of trying to be irresistible, actually being irresistible, and make that offer. So, like I just shared about this woman that wanted to buy a sofa, and, um, you know, I offered it to her too soon. Sometimes your offers, you might offer something that's too soon. The other day I went to the phone company, I went to T-Mobile to go pay my phone bill, and um, every time I go in this one store in Harlem, oh, my God, they always try to sell me something, offer me some new deal. They are really consistent with that. So I go in, and they want to sell me uh, these uh, Bluetooth headphones that could do, like, 14 things. And um, I'm like, I'm not paying no money for nothing in here today, right? So all you got to do is get paid the $17, and, you know, we get it for free, even though it's a $200 item. I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and, and, and I kind of lied. Well, not really. I, I, I let them know, listen, I ain't got the money for that, which is pretty accurate. Not, it's not saying they didn't have the money, but I didn't have the money for that. And so... You know, the lady was helping me pay my bill. She talked to her boss. And then he eat the $17 and change for tax on the thing. And I got these $200 uh, uh, headphone uh, uh, Bluetooth for free. Because they just was like, they got to make me an offer I couldn't refuse. And that was the only way for me to be able to uh, not be able to refuse it is if it cost me nothing. So they gave me this thing. That was their way of like, no, nah, we got to keep this guy. We got to keep doing something with them. I don't know what kind of commission she got when when she wasn't making no money, but God bless her anyhow, you know. Uh, <laughs> people do work real hard to, like, get you to do what they want you to do. We do. Because when you do what we want you to do, we benefit too, whether it's because we get paid or because we're just happy that you did what we wanted you to do. Or we're happy that you're happy that you did it or whatever. So. It's important to always have a number of ways to amplify anything someone can be a yes to. So don't look clumsy as you're trying to figure out what kind of offer you should make. Uh, you don't want to sound like Maxwell Smart from the old-time TV series Get Smart. Anybody remember Get Smart, the TV series? I do. Yes, I do. It was hilarious. Do you all remember when he used to say, would you believe and then he would tell some story, and they'd be like, nope. Well, would you believe? Nope. Would you believe? Oh, yeah, wow, you know, that's possible. And next thing you know, he's out of there, and they're like, hey, where'd he go? <laughs> so he's standing around <laughs> trying to figure out how to persuade somebody or how to do this, to amplify whatever they're saying yes to so they can't resist it, make it hard to say, uh, easy to say yes and hard to say no to. You'd be looking like this goofy Maxwell Smart guy. And he looks like he's trying to figure this out. And for those of you who don't know Maxwell Smart and Get Smart, the TV series, y'all should check it out on YouTube. It's freaking hilarious. It's like just a, it's a comedy sitcom of the James Bond movies because it was around the same time it was happening. 
but it was a James Bond spoof. They used to use it. Um, he had an antenna on his on his shoe, and he would talk using his shoe as a as a phone. When they would talk private, they would just sit in front of each other and they would drop these plastic uh, tubes down on them so they could so they could at least appear to be doing uh, private conversations. It was so hilarious. It was crazy. Would you believe? Yeah, you don't want to look like that to people when you're trying to figure out um, how to be uh, amplifying what somebody would do. You're over there figuring out, scrambling, scratching your head. Now, you want to have at least learned, remembered, practiced being persuasive by practicing how to amplify your office, how to make it sound irresistible, or how to add more options to your offer to whoever you're attempting to persuade. So um, an additional piece to look for um, for ways to master the art of making outrageous offers is noticing that what you're considering, excuse me, that what you would consider a great or outrageous offer, if you were in the other person's situation, or even better, what would be your ideal outrageous offer in this scenario? If it's something you'd want, it's probably something other people want, but you need to be clear that it is something other people want. Maybe you run it by some of the people in your life to see how they'd feel about it before you test it on somebody else. It doesn't work to assume that what you want is something everyone else would want. That would be magical thinking. Um, that would be you know delusional. But you do want to check out, but you want to constantly be growing yourself as somebody who could make offers that make people say, damn, that was pretty good, but what you said would make it even better. In closing, take the time to practice this concept because the better you are at it, the happier the people you communicate with will be. And again, like you may need to think about, you know, whether somebody's in, in monkey mind mode or, you know, whether you want to use some of the distinctions from uh, effective interactions. You know, you want to look at all the things that we talked about before that assist you in being persuasive. But making it easier for people to say yes and hard to say no is one of the key ones. And then uh, the last of the four steps in this particular section is to find out what their biggest pain is and take it away. So before you start attempting to persuade people, assume they have pains, concerns, and problems and try to figure out what their biggest pains are and how to take them away. This is one of the biggest reasons why you need to start listening a lot before you start talking a lot because the better you are as a listener, the better you'll become at hearing them tell on themselves, giving you the ammunition you need to be as persuasive as possible. Often, the people you interact with are your biggest sources of information for figuring out how best to persuade them. You may not know how to persuade someone at the beginning of conversation, but if you listen closely enough, you'll know how to do it in the end. In fact, listening is almost all you need to do to figure out how to be persuasive with people because they'll be very happy that you actually listen to them, happy you listen to them well enough to actually understand them, and because of this, will give you the benefit of the doubt when you attempt to persuade them. Worse come the worse, 
if and when you attempt to persuade someone and it's not working, stop as soon as you realize it's not working. Because the longer you try to persuade people when you're not doing a good job, the more they'll think you don't listen and you only care about yourself. The minute they feel this way about you, you'll lose trust. They'll, excuse me, they'll lose trust in you and will be even less likely to be persuaded by you another time. Persuasion doesn't work all the time, but when it does, it's amazing. There are other things you can do when this particular formula doesn't work, but you don't want to be someone who, who anyone thinks you're not worthy of being listened to enough to be persuaded by anything you say. So that's enough of, that's the end of the make it easy to say yes, hard to say no section. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback, what you got out of that, how much that helped or maybe didn't help or whatever. Um, Tiffany, what you want to say about that? What you got to say? You talking on mute? I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I had you on mute. Okay. <laughs> I'm sitting outside, so there's airplanes and all type of stuff going by. Mm, okay. I'm digging it only because, you know, it's helping me communicate. I'm learning ways to mm. come out of my comfort zone and communicate. So every day yeah. is an improvement. Excellent. All right. What's the biggest thing you're taking out of this, this particular conversation right now? Um, well, I'm listening about the persuasion, um, and the, uh, let's see, what was it? The, the, let me think. Because I've been, I've been zoning in and out of different situations that I've been in pertaining to, um, it's just like, man, I could, Mm. I could do a lot better. But I look at so many other people that could do better and how lost the world is. Yeah. Um, I just I just know I gotta continue to be active and, and learn more more ways to communicate because I get frustrated and I don't want to be one of those individuals that give up on people. But I'm getting frustrated. It's kind of like I wish I was in my own bubble so I don't have to talk to people because it gets gets tiring. I get tired of trying to persuade people to be active communicators. It's like I'm in a world all by myself sometimes. Mm. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm hearing is the biggest thing that you could be getting out of what we just shared, you know, to this point is, that you could be listening for, to hear people tell on themselves about how to persuade them. People don't know that they're telling on themselves, but you can hear their pains, their joys, their vision. If you listen yeah. for it, it'll, it'll give you access to that. Sometimes I just get tired. Of, it's like they don't want to act. Well, you know, we've been talking about this for a while and if you're not gonna make a move because we're having we're having communication and, and coming up with different solutions to situations and nothing happens but we keep talking about it. it's like 
how many times are we going to keep having the same conversation? We can find different words to use, but it all means the same thing, and that's where it's just like, okay, i got to find more patience with folks because I'm ready to check out on some. Mm. Got it. Okay, so it depends. Let me see. How can I say this? So I, I guess it depends on what you're listening for um, when you're speaking with people. And particularly if you want to persuade them to do something, you know. Um, but but another thing is it could be, you know, why you want to persuade them, you know, because if you want to persuade them to do something that's in their best interest, for some reason they can hear that better than if you want to persuade them to do something you want them to do because you think it makes more sense or you want them to act a certain way because you'll feel better if they do or something like that, you know? So maybe what there is to do is to focus on your intention in the persuasion process. And then once you get clear on the intention that produces the best results, then you can start listening for the practices, the techniques and tactics um, that will uh, enhance your ability to do that. You know, when you're in sales, you actually got to understand the whole sales process before you can start understanding how to learn to improve yourself in the way that best works for you as a unique individual. Does that, does that communicate? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe what there is to do is to really be clear about your intentions, and then you can start, once you get clear on your intentions and that your intentions is, is in their best interest, whatever that looks like. You know, for me, it's my intention is to leave people better than I found them, to have them experience and love as a state of mind and a way of life. So that's the the main intention for the words that come out of my mouth. That's the main result that I want to produce, and that's the main reason, the main thing that has me respond in communication is that I want you to be better off after talking to me than before. And so people can smell that, and they kind of like it. So they let me talk to them. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People can smell that on me. I'm in a store, and I could be, you know, in in some uh, jeans and a, and, a, and a sleeveless T-shirt, and somebody walk up to me in Bloomingdale's, which is one of the higher-end, um, what do you call it, uh, 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 clothing, not clothing stores, but high-end um, uh, retail establishments here in New York, and they'll, they'll talk to me like I'm one of the managers. I'm like, I don't even dress like I work here. What are you talking about to myself, right? But I'm laughing because, like, hey, can you can you know where? I don't work here. Oh, you know, really? <laughs> it's kind of like that, you know? So, like, my beingness is so open for people. Uh, but the wrong people don't mess with me, thank God. I don't know how come it goes like that, but I am so happy. You have no idea. Right? But, um, you know, my, my intentions, people can smell my intentions, so they're willing to communicate with me. And maybe that's a space place for you to go. I'm not saying it should be, but maybe it is. So I just want to offer that to you because you, when your intentions are powerful, then adding these tactics, these strategies, these techniques makes it even greater. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not saying your your intentions are not good. I'm just saying that you know, that they could be better or 
you could be better at making sure people will experience your intentions for them, like your love for them. You know what I mean? So whatever that looks like, I'd say practice this, probably listen to this a few times and all of that stuff. So, all right, I'm going to move on. Thank you for, uh, you know, interacting with me. Appreciate it. So uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is, in, is to continuously increase credibility, and particularly yours, but also credibility of the thing that you're attempting to persuade somebody into. So first is you want to increase their awareness of your know-how, skill, abilities, and intentions. So what that looks like is people will constantly doubt you. Oh, by the way, I just want to say this to be, you know, 100% transparent is that the next three things I'm going to be talking about, which is continuously increasing credibility, connect a person to their highest aspirations, and connect a person's desire to improve relationships. I didn't fill these out yet because these are new distinctions I just got in the last couple of days. So I'm going to freestyle them, but before I send you the email, I am going to write them out so that you get them as I had originally intended, and I just didn't have enough time to put it in there. So um, just want to let you know that that's what we're going to be doing is kind of freestyle through the rest of this here. But uh, you're going to like it, and you'll like to recap at the end. So increasing someone's awareness of your know-how, skill, abilities, and intentions is by <sighs> – one is you could, like, you know, tell them what your credentials are. You could do that. Um, you could give them examples of how you've benefited other people in the past. But you could, you could especially have them be clear about how much you know what it is that you're persuading them about. So, like, we bump into, peop we bump into people and we bump up in our own lives to scenarios that we've never had any experience about and we don't know anybody else that had any experience about in order to make a decision. And when that happens, if you are able to help inform somebody on how that works, like I don't know how long it took for Uber to get through to people so that everybody's willing to use Uber. Well, not everybody, because I don't give a crap about it, but most people, right? I don't know how many conversations they had to have or how effective or how they designed those conversations so that people will understand that using Uber versus a regular taxi is more in their best interest than looking for a regular taxi. But they did. They increased uh, their own awareness. Uh, no, they increased the awareness of the people that they were persuading to use Uber as a service. Because before they did that, nobody understood the, why would I use Uber when I can just go outside and get a taxi. So, you know, anytime an a industry comes up that disrupts other industries, the first thing people will say is, well, hey, why should I do that thing? And they already. I already do this other thing. Why should I change? Um, and so you need to be able to, uh, to, to do that. So you want to increase your credibility in the eyes of the person that you're trying to persuade by letting them know how much that they know about this thing, number one. Number two, how much you can help them protect themselves from whatever they think may happen or even more, uh, the unknown. So that's one of the things you can do when it comes to persuading is to increase their awareness of how much you know and how much research you did on this thing you're talking about. That to make them say, uh, okay, you're good. So the next thing to do is to make them better through information training and resources. So what that looks like is 
you're educating them to be able to figure things out on their own. Now they're like, oh, thank you, um, where you will have them feel like they could trust you because if you educated them here, they could trust you when you make decisions later or you make recommendations later or you invite them to do something that they may have been questioning about, but because it's you and you have their, you have their you know, credibility, like their, your credibility with them is high enough that they'll say it just because you're the one who said it. A lot of times that'll get you through a lot of stuff. If you could be, well, you know, since Lena said it, I guess I should just go ahead and do it because I do trust her and she's always been right or often had my best interest at heart. So you want to be that person as well. And then the next thing is you want to take away every doubt that they may have about you. So there's a saying, um, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So what that sound, what that means is if you are talking to somebody and they've got 25 different reasons why they're a no or why they're a yes or why they're, they're thinking about this differently than the way you do, and you only take and you take away twenty three of those twenty five things. You would think that's a great thing, except for the fact that if they still have those, they still have two other things. It's like you didn't take away anything because they still see. But you see, you didn't handle this, so I'm still right. Especially people who are not, you know, open minded, who are not committed to personal development. If even even folks that are, but you're just talking about something that scares them to death, where they have no real information about. As long as you're, you haven't addressed all of their concerns, you haven't taken away every doubt that they have about you, about that thing, then the unknown is a good enough reason for them to not be persuaded. They don't need to know what could be a problem. The fact that they don't know what all the problems are is enough of a problem. So you want to be able to take away every doubt they have about you or about the situation or about themselves or whatever it is that they have a doubt about. You got, but the only way to find that out is through listening to them as you're speaking. Listening is going to give you that, not talking. And a lot of times even asking questions is not going to give you that. A lot of marketers and the marketing companies and, and, and uh, things like that, they do surveys, but a lot of other companies, the smartest of them, they don't bother with surveys because people think one thing when you got a survey, but when they're on the court, they think of something else and they're not even conscious of that they're thinking. Humans are basically and fundamentally irrational. We think we know what we know, but you put us in a situation, we're going to do something completely different and you're going to be like, huh, what the hell? How did that So you want to be able to take away whatever doubt that they have but you got to find out what that doubt is in the first place. And you can't be in a hurry. This is not time-based. This is effectiveness-based. So if you was going to make somebody an offer or try to get them to cooperate with you, it might take two or three conversations if you got to upgrade your credibility with them or upgrade their um, opinion of credibility about the thing that you're talking about. It's got to be in them to want to do it, not because you want them to do it. Yeah, you're taking the action to get them to do what you want them to do, but is it in their best interest? 
And are they clear that it's in their best interest? And so you want to increase your credibility or the credibility of the thing that you're offering and trying to persuade them to deal with. Does that make sense? Anybody got any questions about that? Question. This is Esther. Go ahead. Yes. No, yeah, I'm listening. I'm yes, I'm I'm thinking a lot about my um my manager who Okay. seems as though my best efforts are never good enough. And um so, so I think more frequent meetings and more frequent conversation would probably be helpful. Um, and I haven't done that because I wanted to save his time, but clearly we're not getting the results that he's looking for. So, um, yeah, this has really been pertinent and very helpful. And I especially like the the furniture example, too, so that, you know, you don't leave with your best shot. You save something in reserve. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Anybody else? Questions, comments? Thank yous? It's, um, Tony, this is Jamie. It's it's not a question, but I'm actually, I'm, I have a couple of examples. One that I know worked well and another one that I'm thinking of using this with a, something I'm challenged with now. Yep. Um, my my example is I, I used to work with a a health behavioral health program where one of our weekly processes was a weekly check-in where the participants in the program had to call once a week, midweek, to check in with how they're doing with their program. And I was getting like a 90% effective rate on that, and my teammates were getting like 40 to 50%. And they were, they were trying, they asked me, how are you getting these results? These people don't want to call midweek. They forget. They don't do it. And um, I, I said, well, when I introduced the, the task, I don't introduce it like this is something you have to do every week, like checking a box. This is a way for you to practice self-managing your program like a habit so that you don't need a coach for the rest of your life. Ooh, I like that. So what it what it did is it their pain point was having to have a coach for the rest of their life. Their uh, what they you know what they wanted was they wanted to be able to to be self sustaining and it, so I but I didn't realize that those were the two parts of that that had them be persuaded to do this thing. Mm. So so for me to be able to look at both sides both you know, taking the pain point away and giving them something that is compelling and that they want. I work in quality now, and and I work in pharmaceuticals, and quality is, is all about big regulatory. I mean, we're heavily regulated. So people consider quality kind of, quality and compliance kind of as a pain because I'm going to tell them they have to do things a certain way and they, they can't do them other ways. But I'm trying to think, one of the ways I'm looking at right now is how I, I'm, I'm starting, and like you said, it takes time. I'm starting to find out that it takes time. I'm starting to have the people I'm working with look at 
that it's in their best interest to get me involved early so that they don't make mistakes that cost them later. But it's just, yep. I'm, but I haven't gotten everybody, mostly it's like, oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want, James, James is going to tell me no, James is going to tell me I have to do it a certain way, I don't want to talk to Jamie. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of turning that Titanic right now, but if I know both sides of that conversation, I think it would make it go better. If I'm yeah, so well. con- consciously aware of both sides of those. So I'm really, really grateful for this. I think it's really going to help. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that you're you 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 haven't mastered and you didn't see the um the magic in your making turning their pain point into their benefit in a right. way that they see the benefit. Yeah. And that's a huge part of persuasion. You're making them do what they what you want them to do and making them want to do it and be happy to be doing it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm actually going to add that to this because I hadn't thought about, uh, I mentioned it, but I didn't really think of like about focusing on how to turn the biggest um, pains into a benefit. That's, that's a brilliant thing. So, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this program. So I can hear something I ain't think about before. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, muchas gracias. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, good. So, um, so the next thing I want to talk about now is to connect the person to their highest aspirations, which is kind of what you just said, really, uh, Jamie. Is like they don't want to have to be bothered with another coach for the rest of their life. They want to get it now, you know. And so you connected them to that by flipping their biggest ob- obstacle which is, again, is a brilliant thing, you know? So now, you want to create scenarios, which is really what you just got finished saying, create a scenario that connects them to their highest aspirations, which is leave me alone. It's possible that the, that the, the people that you're doing in your program, what you did was um, addressing, you know, the, the person who wants to be content. I only want to do as little as possible to get the most out of what I want so I can go back and chill. It could be the entrepreneur who's like, listen, uh, I don't mind doing whatever I got to do, but as long as it's going to benefit me to make money and be happy. You know, it could be the person who wants to make a difference. Um, you know, hey, uh, I really want to um, be able to use this material, so you're going to be better at this. You're going to improve my ability by me having a second conversation with you to ground myself in these distinctions so I can make a bigger difference? I'll take that on. You follow, like, looking at those type of things and then, you know, flipping whatever isn't working uh, or what their pain is, and then connecting, like, how do you say it to the person that you're dealing with? How do you address it to the audience so that they um, get connected to how this is going to help them fulfill their highest aspirations? So, you know, thank you for helping me get clear on that one. And then the next thing you you can do, uh, especially if a person is feeling, I don't know, kind of uh, reserved or something, um, is to let them see how far they've already come. So a lot of times people be like, I don't know, man, wah, 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 right? But when you start letting them see how far they've come, you know, a lot of people feel, um, you know, reserved or, no, not reserved, 
resigned <laughs> about doing things. But that's because they haven't been paying attention. I actually just got finished uh, dealing with that myself. I was spending a weekend with my, one of my, with my friends. We're creating a workshop in a new genre, a new niche, which is uh, having money help relationships and having relationships help you with your money. And uh, he's a financial advisor, a, a, a prosperity coach, and I'm obviously a relationship coach. And so um, as we were talking, what I realized is he knows a lot less about marketing than I do, and I've been complaining about how much I don't know about marketing. And then uh, he's, I say stuff, he's like, wow, I never knew that before. So what he was actually doing, and I didn't realize it, was he was actually helping me see how far I've come already in that particular area. <laughs> it's amazing. So when you're able to see that, it allows people to start looking at opportunities to help them even come further along by letting them know how far they've already come. You've been succeeding already. Let me show you how much more you could succeed from here. That is a way of communicating ways, uh, communicating ways that it's hard for people to say no to and easy to say yes to. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Very good. So then the next thing to do is to help them see how great it would be to achieve their highest aspirations. I mean, it's, it's kind of like having a conversation that doesn't sound like a meditation, but they experience it like a meditation. You know, I know you. everyone here has been in a conversation where the conversation made them sit back, and all of a sudden their head starts showing them pictures about stuff that they really, really liked or loved or a past moment where, you know, they're memorizing, oh, my God. They almost can't even hear the person talking because they're too busy stuck in this happy place. Well, you could actually find ways to help people go there because when they actually connect to that happy place that's in them, like how great it would be to be president of the United States or to have, excuse me, uh, one more time, excuse me, uh, or to have been able to create lasting world peace or to buy, you know, the, uh, the building that they were born in, uh, um, you know, back in the day when their family was in it and you buy that building or the house yourself or whatever it is that their highest aspirations, connect them to it and then let them see how whatever it is that you're offering, that you're, um, you know, presenting to them will help them take, take them there or at least get them connected to that feeling. That would be something that you could do that would connect them, you know, to their highest aspirations. Let them see how great it would be once they get there. And they will definitely be happy with you. Uh, they probably remember you every time they meditate in that space. And, and you know, I'm not saying it's going to be like they're going to be consciously meditating. You know, they're sitting there saying, oh, I'm with their fingers squinched in together, right? Not going to do that. But, you know, we do daydream. You know, who knows that what they're going to be thinking, on when, thinking about when they're on the elevator? Maybe what you just got finished talking to them about. So connect them to their highest aspirations, and they will be inspired. Because, hey, for crying out loud, it's their highest aspiration, whatever that is. And you don't have to know what it is specifically. You just want to be able to tell which one of those six highest aspirations are they living from, coming from? So that would be connecting a person to their highest aspirations, is letting them see it or let them see how far they've come or create scenarios 
that give them the vision for uh, their, what their highest aspiration is by taking away, flipping their, uh, flipping the, the, the pains to, the, to turn them into benefits. So that's that. And then the last thing in terms of persuasion, and this is really critical, is to connect a person's desire, to connect to a person's desire to improve relationships. So no one wants to lose relationships that they're already in. They don't. So if you could teach them or offer them things that's going to improve the relationship they already have or make new relationships that they want, then that's a speedy, hell, that's almost like warp speed way to get people to be persuaded to do what you want them to do. You know, I can connect you to this person is one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is here's how you can make this person like you better. You know, that's another way of doing it. Um, you know, this person was looking for some kind of help, and I know you're the great person to do it. That would be another way to persuade people to take action is because you're giving them tools and skill sets to help them improve their relationships that they already have or that they want to be in. Um, anybody got anything they want to say about that or ask about that? I wish I had more to say about that, but if you if you ask me, I'm, I'll say something. I might be able to. Um, anybody? Just check. Tony, this is Jamie again. It reminds me of um, Simon Sinek, ah, the guy yes. who the guy who talks about that we make a lot of our decisions from the part of our brain that doesn't have language or logic. Yep. And Love that. knowing that is is really I I find myself using that a lot because I I'm I'm tying something into an experience an experience I either want the people I'm with to have or experience I want myself to have that's um compelling rather than logical. Yep. Yeah, getting them emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. And getting somebody emotionally involved, one of the best ways to do it is to get them uh, having conversations about relationships. Yep, definitely. Because we don't want to be alone, and we want to be happier now than we were by ourselves and all of that. So you, you, you're right on there with, uh, with him. So, Jamie, this is oh. Esther. Would you text me that guy's name? Simon Sinek? Yeah. Yeah, I'll text you his name. He does a really good TED Talk. So, um, Thank and, you. And he's, a, he's a real prominent speaker right now, or he was anyway. But, yeah, I'll, I'll text you the name. I'll put it on the chat group. the group, yeah. Yeah, I'll put it on okay. the chat group. Thank you. Yeah. He has a, his, his, his most prominent TED Talk. I think it's one of the top three TED Talks, period. It's called um, How Dark. Great Leaders Inspire Action. Right, and I think one of the topics is starting with why or to start yes. with why or begin with why, I think it might yes. be. But, yeah, I'll, I'll yes. put that on the, on, the ta- on the chat group. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, super inspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so uh, we are like uh, three minutes away from our 90-minute session 
we're almost done. Well, we're done. We got another three minutes. So uh, anybody got anything they want to say, ask, or contribute to, or something? Jokes, anything. Come on. What you got? All right, Vita, I'm calling you out. <laughs> what you got? Anything you want to say? Ask. Thoughts? Tony, this was great. Something. Come on. Yeah, this was great. And um, I'm kind of, I've been really running this week. I haven't stopped. But <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I've been, um, this is, this is going to be good for me. I actually was listening to a um, marketer right before this session started and you basically said some of the stuff I just heard him say. And um because he was he was talking about how a lot of people these days um think that the the business of selling is you take somebody from a pro- from a product and an ad and you send them to a page where they buy and he said but Everybody forgets that you still have to sell people and that they don't know who you are and that they don't trust you. And I know that's true because, you know, when you were talking earlier about um, making people trust you, the thing that I was thinking about was uh, really Amazon was the first thing that came to my mind. And if I see something on there that I haven't used before, don't know really basically what it is, First thing I read is the reviews, <laughs> and so um, mm-hmm. because because I don't know what that is, I don't know what it does. I'm not sure how well it works, and so I want to see somebody else's experience. It you know before I say okay, I'm gonna give it a try, and so um, and so basically everything that you said is what I just listened to him say that you have to you know make people trust you, and once people trust you. I guess it's not persuasion then. They just basically will go along with you because, you know, they value the relationship and they, they do have that trust in you. And so then they they will do what you want them to do, which in the situation he was talking about was buy your product. But mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same way that you're talking about it, but in relationships. Yes. Yeah, really having other people's um, um, hearts and desires in mind as you're working with them is what's most important in order to connect with them fully because it's like you're taking care of them and they respect that. And that doesn't happen much anymore, unfortunately. And again, there's too many things to make choices about, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm laughing because I have my 15 year old, if we go yeah. somewhere, just say for instance, like every year I'll take them at the beginning of the hot weather because, you know, our rule is no sharks until May 1st. Even though we live in Texas and it's hot, you know, like two months before it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, we'll get surprised sometimes. So I'm like, you know, by May it's going to be hot. But um, I'll take them to the store, you know, my girls to get them, you know, flip-flops, and it's too many decisions for her. If you give her anything that has too many decisions, it's like she's frozen, like she doesn't know what to do. 
And then we're all standing there waiting, like, did you please hurry up? <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. It's too many things. <laughs> it's too many things for people to decide on. And, and just like you said, you know, the other guy said, too, you, it's, people con- it's people tugging on you from every different direction. And, you know, you don't know, you know, which way should I go. So if this person right here, you know, creates a relationship and, you, and they seem trustworthy to me, then I'm going to go with this decision. Yes. Yes. Excellent. All right. I'm going to stay on a call a little while longer, but I'm going to end uh, the recording here because uh, we're at uh, 91 minutes or something. So uh, I appreciate it. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this, I really hope you get a lot of value out of it. Uh, probably going to take an extra day before I send a recap because I'm definitely going to need to uh, upgrade some of the language in the in the material here. But uh, you will be getting it, and I'll be happy that you did, and hopefully you'll be happy too. So um, y'all stay on the call for a minute, but um, I'm going to end the recording now. So talk to y'all listening to this later. Talk to y'all later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.